So this morning what we're doing is we are continuing our, far, our five-part series called Get Your Life Back. We're talking about sort of these simple everyday practices designed to help us to walk in peace in the midst of a volatile, clamorous world. Our world is so volatile. Everyone knows every time it seems like things are sort of like mellowing out, settling down, all of a sudden, boom, you know. I don't know about you guys, I woke up on Friday, and uh, being the age that I am and the late start that I got in preparing for retirement and all those things, I tend to be a bit obsessive with checking stocks and see, oh, oh, am I, I going to be able to retire or whatever? And so I wake up uh, Friday, and I get about my day, and 8.30 rolls around when the market opens, and I look at my phone to check, and I watch just everything go, what in the world is going on? Why what is the stock market dumping? And, and then I read about this Omicron variant. And I'm like, come on! What We were just kind of moving up and to the right and sort of moving towards normalcy and all of a sudden, you know. And so our world is just so volatile, you know. Just, you just never know what's going to happen and things get kind of crazy. And so we're talking about just keeping our sanity, growing in peace, growing in Christ during times like this, I guess, right? Times like this. And so we're leaning heavily on the book by John Eldridge with the same title, Get Your Life Back. So if you're, you're, you're like, I'd like to kind of go deeper in this, I'd like to read more, I'd like to kind of slow down and walk through this slowly rather than just sort of 20, 30 minutes on Sunday mornings as we sort of, you know, hit a high-level view of it all. But uh, go ahead and grab the book. And so uh, I want to talk about this area of belief, though, in our life today. And how our beliefs are majorly impacted by the decisions that we make. And it's interesting how our decisions inform our beliefs, but our beliefs inform our decisions. Isn't that sort of strange, you know? And so it kind of is this circular thing. Our decisions inform our beliefs, and our beliefs inform our decisions. Um, I remember one time I was over at my cousin's house, now, I, I don't know about you guys, if any of you grew up with cousins like this, but there was, my aunt and uncle had like, oh, five, six kids, something like that, right? And we were all pretty similar, pretty close in age. And so when we got together, it was sort of like this big party, you know? We all had lots of fun, and I loved to go over to, uh, you know, my Uncle Mike's house and play with my cousin Jimmy and Tony and Teresa, and just like, we just would have a great time. And they had this bedroom that was upstairs in an attic. So the old attic was converted into a large bedroom. And uh, one night, um, we were all up there playing. It was probably around the holidays. We were all up there playing, and they all went downstairs to, like, you know, I don't know, make popcorn or something. I remember one time I was over there, we made popcorn, and they put an entire stick of butter on it. Um, that was weird. And so they're like, too much butter on this. What do we do? Sprinkle sugar on it. So it was really weird, but they were really hyper kids, and now you know why. And so they all went downstairs, and I don't, just absentmindedly, somebody on the way down the stairs, because it was a converted attic basement, uh, the light switch was down at the bottom of the stairs, and there was a door. So whoever, like, you know, went down last, just absentmindedly, maybe not, 
turned off the light and closed the door, and there I was in the attic bedroom by myself in the dark completely. And like most, like, you know, elementary school kids, I was terrified of the dark. And I'm like going, hey! You know, the last kid up there in the dark, hey! Hey! Nobody's listening, right? And I'm up there in the dark, and I'm super scared. And, um, and then it just sort of like dawned on me. It's like, I, I, 15-year-old revelation. Or not 15, I was much younger than 15 at the time. I was probably 10 or 12. Revelation hits me. Hold on just a second. Wait a minute. The lights have gone off, but the room is still the same, right? Because when you're a kid and the lights go off, all of a sudden, you know, a spiked pit opens up in the door. There's booby traps. There's zombies coming out of the walls, whatever. You know, our imagination goes wild, but it just hit me. Hold on a second. I'm still sitting on the bed. The room is exactly the same as it was just 30 seconds ago before the lights went off and I was yelling, hey, if I just walk over to the wall, which it's in the same place it's always been, the wall hasn't moved, I can kind of make my way over to the stairs and go down the stairs and turn on the switch. Nothing had changed. Nothing had changed. Everything was the same. The only difference was that somebody flipped a switch and I just couldn't see my surroundings. I just couldn't see around. And life is like that a lot, many days, right? We wake up one morning, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but you woke up one morning just depressed or anxious. You just woke up and that's how you felt. Or maybe our circumstances got us down or something happened unexpected, um, but God hasn't changed. It's not like you woke up that morning depressed, but, you know, God decided to kind of turn his back on you, right? And uh, he's still good. He's still with us, you know? But for some reason or another, we, we lose heart just because we can't maybe feel God's presence in the moment, just because we can't feel it. We don't have, a, we don't have those, those spiritual fuzzies that we love and adore, and some, for some reason they're gone. That doesn't mean that God has changed. God hasn't changed his back on you. In fact, I'll even go as far as to say, just because you're not feeling those things doesn't even necessarily mean that the devil is attacking you in that moment. It just means you feel depressed. It just means that the weather's different. It just means that your emotions have changed. And just because someone turned out the light, it doesn't mean that God has changed or turned his back on you or things have changed. It just means the light's have been turned out for a while, right? And so maybe you've been there, maybe you're there now. Maybe circumstances have you doubting the presence and the goodness of God. Something happened, and now you're doubting that maybe God favors you or God loves you, or maybe you feel like his position or his stance towards you has changed because you lost your job, because the relationship didn't work out, because the weather's bad, because you got a big bill. You know, maybe your faith is low. Maybe you're struggling to believe. And, and if that's you today, then you know what? Today is for you. So we're going to dive into this a little bit. But I want to pray real quick first. God, we love you and we praise you. Amen. And uh, <laughs> thank you, Malachi. I see that hand. Uh, God, we just we praise you. We love you. And Lord, we pray that you would uh, just by your Holy Spirit illuminate your word in us, to us today.
God, that it would bring change and revelation and transformation. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to start off. We're going to read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. It says, So be truly glad. Be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Don't you love those phrases? Be truly glad. When God is telling you there's wonderful joy ahead, right? Even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Oh, we can stop right there. There's much joy ahead, even though you must endure, you know, trials for a while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much, bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Isn't that a crazy statement? Like, that statement right there just goes against so many, like, religious convictions. Doesn't it? When you hear that, and God's word is saying that uh, your faith is going to bring you much praise and glory. You're like, no, 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 no. You know, but God is going, no, one day it's, it's, it's going to bring you some praise and glory because of your faith. I know all us religious fakes, folks right now are just going, no, 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 it's all him, it's all for him. Okay, but God is saying it's, it's going to bring you some glory. It's going to bring you honor when Jesus is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Wow, okay. So if you remember one thing, remember this today. Belief grows as we choose to practice it every day. Belief, our belief, our faith, it grows when? When we choose to practice it. That's right. A lot of times we think that our belief grows when we listen to K-Love. Or our belief grows when we fill our heads with all sorts of cool learning and teaching. And that's, that's great. And I love all sorts of learning and teaching. And we should be learning and reading and growing and all those things. But our belief, our faith, actually grows as we practice it. That's how it grows, as we practice it. I mean, because we all know lots of people who have read loads of books and taken classes and done all sorts of things who, like, you know, who don't exercise their faith, right? We do an exercise of faith by being more generous, by being more loving, by, you know, all those things, by being more like Jesus. But our faith grows as we practice it. Because here's the thing. It's so important, and we have to remember this. In fact, this should be the main point. But we need to transfer our belief from the realm of feelings to the realm of our will. That's what we need to do. We've got to take our whole belief, our whole faith. You know, our, my faith is high when I'm feeling like it, or my faith is low when I'm not feeling like it, right? We've got to take that faith and that belief out of the realm of feelings and into the realm of our will, our will, okay? And so a lot of times we let our feelings dictate our beliefs. That's bad. Bad. Look at the person next to you and just tell them, that's bad. That's bad. Yeah. Okay? And so when the unexpected illness comes, when that relationship sucker punch comes, 
when that higher expected bill comes, right? Those events that kind of take the wind out of our sails when they come along, they have the potential to drain our faith if we're going to follow our feelings, right? All of a sudden, all those things come and our faith gets low and it's because we're following our feelings and God's saying, no, 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 move them into the realm of the will. Make a choice. Choose, okay? Belief is a choice. Because what, what First Peter is saying here in chapter 6 is, look, you're going to face ups and downs, right? If there's one thing that's certain about life that you can take to the bank is, guess what? Life is hard, right? And some of you might go, not for me. It will be. <laughs> just give us some time. Life is hard. It has ups and it has downs. That's just life. It's so funny how we get surprised when we have the downs, right? Like, where'd that come from? It's like, well, it's been up for a while. It'll be down for a while, right? And so, uh, so he's, he's basically saying, look, you're going to face ups and downs. Trials are going to come. Life isn't always going to be up and to the right. You know, he's saying, but choose to trust. Choose to trust. Choose to be glad, he's saying, right? Make that choice to be glad. Choose, you know, to love God, to believe God. And then he says, and you're going to be rewarded for it one day. You're going to be rewarded for making that choice and making that choice consistently through your life. One of the things that I love about Midwesterners is they seem to be able to walk through a whole lot and just keep on going, right? It's like, you know, first child was born sideways. Wife went to work the next day. You know, it's, it's like that's just sort of like Midwesterners. We just kind of keep on going, you know. And so, but we need to choose. Choose to believe that he's with you. Choose to believe that he's good. When you wake up in the morning and you're depressed and you feel like God's far away and you just want to roll over and go back to sleep, choose to believe that he's with you. Choose to believe that he is good. That's how we practice our faith, is by moving it into the realm of our will, and making the choice, okay? Expecting God to just give you all the faith. Because don't we do that? We go, God, just give me faith. And I get that. And that's even scriptural. Because, you know, uh, when the man asked Jesus to heal his child, and he said, help my unbelief, right? And so it's like, help my unbelief. I get I get that, okay? But when we just kind of expect God to give us the faith or give us the feels or just all, you know, God, make me feel like it. Uh, give me the faith. It's kind of like expecting your spouse to do all the loving in the relationship. Because in a marriage, love goes both ways. Yes or no? Yes, right? But when we are in this relationship with God, and we are just expecting him to give us all the faith, right? That's like being in a relationship with your spouse and expecting them to do all the loving. It is a loving thing, and it is part of our relationship with God to make that choice to trust, to make that choice to believe, to make that choice to have faith. We do our part in our relationship with God by choosing to believe. We make a choice. It's a choice. Wow. Okay? Some of those cheesy Christian sayings, make a choice to rejoice. But we do. But we do make a choice to rejoice, right? So what are some choices? I want to talk just a little bit about some of the choices that, you know, uh, that we make about believing. And the first one is choose to believe that God wants to give you more of himself. 
God wants to give you more of himself. God wants to draw closer to you, right? Luke chapter 11, verses 9 and 10 says, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. God is wanting to give himself more to you. God is wanting you to encounter more of him. God is wanting to draw closer to you. Choose to believe that he wants to give you more of himself. We don't have to beg God for what he is already wanting to give us. And so a lot of times we imagine God as reluctant, okay, especially during bad times. Where are you? Why are you blessing that guy and not me? Why are you letting me go through this? Why is this happening? Remember, if you've been with us long enough, you know that why is the most useless question you can ask, right? Especially when we're going through hard times and we ask why, all it does is drain our energy away from doing something productive by just going, why, 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 why? Instead, we should be asking, God, how are you going to use this? God, how are you going to use this? You know, And it sets our thoughts and it sets our mind away from that why, 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 why in the past into looking forward to what he has for us in the future. So if you are in a situation right now where you're just like, why, 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 why God, why God, why God, why God? Listen, that is just going to keep you stuck in the past when God wants you to be asking what? What? What do you have next? How are you going to use this? You know, because that's going to set our thoughts into the future and begin to fill our thoughts with faith because we know that he's good because we choose to believe that he's good and he's with us, right? So we imagine God is reluctant. We imagine him as aloof. Or we think that he's just busy. God, you must be busy. I've heard people say like stuff like that. Man, I, 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 I was going to pray about that, but I just thought God's just so busy with more important things. You know, I didn't want to pray for a new job because I know that, you know, God is helping people that are starving. There are people starving right now, and I'm asking God to help me get a new car. That's okay. That's okay. That's right. You know, he cares about both. He's big enough to care about both things. You know, he's with you. He's with you. Or we think that, uh, that our behavior creates a hesitancy with God. Oh, boy. Whew. Just let that sit in. Right? We believe that our behavior creates a hesitancy in God. Well, you know, I kind of I struggled with porn this week. And so when I went to go worship this Sunday, I felt like there's just no way that he wants to be close to me. Or, man, I, had, I, I was so angry. Dude, I went off on my kids. Man, I just, blah, just fill in the blank, right? And we think that our behavior creates a hesitancy for God to draw near to us, which is a very religious thing as well, right? I mean, you know, like... You know, those of you who, like, were in youth groups in church and were like, you touched your girlfriend's boobie and you think you can raise it to the Lord and praise, you know. <laughs> Listen, you know, I, I, I'm not saying go and touch your girlfriend's boobie, but what I am saying is this. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Okay, but what I am saying is this, is that, you did, you, you did not create a hesitancy with God. He still wants to run to you. He still wants to draw near to you. He still wants to be close to you, right? Uh, you know, we look at the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. 
Dude, the prodigal son disrespected his father in heinous ways. I mean, he basically, basically sat his dad down and went, you're dead to me, just give me your money. That's basically what he said, right? And when the prodigal, you know, spent it all, squandered it all, I don't know about you guys, but if I was the dad, I'd be like, you're on your own. Seriously, you know, I'm not as good of a dad as the prodigal son's dad, you know. But the father ran down the road to meet his son. I mean, you just think about that. The son's behavior, which was awful, did not create a hesitancy in his father to run to him. Whew! I don't know about you guys, but that should, like, set you free right now. We could go home, but I could tell you need to hear some more, okay? So he ran to meet his son. So we need to choose every day that God wants to give more of himself to you, okay? So the next is choose to believe that Christ Christ is within us. Choose to believe that Christ is within us, okay? So we're, we're, oftentimes we do this thing where we're like, we kind of beg God, right? Don't we pray? God, fall on me. God, fall on us, Right? And in fact, you know, uh, I even wrote a worship song years and years and years ago called Fall on Me. You know, we're praying, God, fall on me, fall on me. Uh, But really, God, he just wants to upwell from within you. Christ is within you. When we receive him, he's within you. And so rather than looking for him to fall on you, which paints this picture that he's, again, kind of reluctant, and he's up there somewhere else, he's not within us, and we're wanting, wanting him to fall on us. But no, he wants to swell up from within you. He wants to overflow from within you. Colossians 1.27 says, For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ um, are, to, are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. Right? So this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. He doesn't have to travel across the galaxies, or come down from heaven. He is in you. He is in us. He's closer than your breath. He's in you. Okay? So it's not a matter of fuzzy feelings. It's fact. He's in you. He's in you. Okay? So we don't have to keep checking if Jesus is with us any more than we need to keep checking to see if our heart is beating. We don't do that normally, right? Still beating? Still good? Okay. Right? I'm not dead. We don't have to check. He's in you. Choose to believe that Jesus is in you. And then this next thing is, is my last point, and really it's really important that we choose to be specific about what we believe. Choose to be specific about what you believe. You know, a lot of people, unfortunately, don't even really know what they believe, right? If somebody walked up to you and said, hey, what do you believe? You might go, uh, you know, Jesus, he's, he's Jesus, right? But we don't really know what we believe a lot of times. We need to choose to be specific. And this is kind of where that daily practice comes in that we talked about, little practical things that we do to, uh, to help us to walk in peace, to understand, you know, all these things. This is, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it really brings me peace to know that God wants to give more of himself to me. That brings me peace, Right? It really brings me peace that he is with me. He is within me. 
right? That brings me a whole lot of peace. But choose to believe, choose to be specific about what you believe. You know, if, if you don't believe in specifics, right? And, and a lot of this comes from just not knowing the Word of God. And let me just say, parenthetically, Christians, we need to be people of the Word. I mean, we're Christians, right? We should know the manual. <laughs> we, sh we should know the Word. As Christians, we should be people who are in the Word. And that should be a, a regular practice. You know, it's, it's funny because, like, you know... <laughs> Why are so many Christians so miserable, right? Because they either don't know the Word, or they know the Word, but not, but not the Spirit. They don't have the proper Spirit within the Word, you know? And so we need to know the Word and, know, and have the proper Spirit within the Word. God didn't give us the Word so we can beat other people over the head with it. God didn't give us the Word so that we could, you know, uh, practice some sort of spiritual one-upsmanship. He gave it to us for transformation. And so uh, we need to know it, and we need to be specific about what we believe, okay? If you don't believe in specifics, then vague, sort of negative feelings begin to dictate your beliefs, those, those vague feelings. What kind of believe this? I, I, sometimes I meet like, I, I don't know what to call them, Christian philosophers, right? Or, 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 or Christian pseudo-psychologists, -psych or a Christian, you know, and they kind of sit around and they sort of wax philosophical about their faith and they sort of, you know, and it's just sort of like, but that's not the word. And I hear things that just go against the word and I'm like, you guys, what are you talking about, man? Ugh. Ugh. Right? So, if we don't believe in specifics, then these vague negative feelings can weigh us down. Right? Have you ever just even had like a, genera like a general malaise? Just had this general malaise. Just kind of feeling depressed. And I get it. We, everybody feels depressed from time to time. And some people, worse than others, some people have a clinical depression, right? But here's the thing about evil. The thing about evil, if you want to know, like, evil's dirty secret, right, is evil tries to get you to believe that it's winning. That's the thing about evil. It tries to get you to believe that it's winning. Oh, it's winning. Oh, we got to watch out. Oh, man, the, the devil's doing this, or the devil's doing that, or, you know, there's this whatever. Evil tries to get you to believe that it's winning, and, and, and that is such a like a powerful strategy, right? And we could go, you know, we could even look historically how evil men conquered people by, get them to believe, by getting them uh, discouraged before they were ever fully defeated, right? And evil tries to get you to believe that it's winning. Don't let it. Don't let it, right? Know God's word. Know what we believe. Know that we're victorious. Know that we're more than conquerors. Know that he is within us. Know that he wants to give more of himself to us. Know that greater is, who, greater is he who is in you than who, he that's in the world. Know these things, right? You are not nearly excited enough about this. Okay? But evil tries to get you to believe that it's winning, that it's... Don't let it. And so one of the things that we can do to sort of know what we believe is simply practice the Apostles' Creed. You know, that's one of the things. If we kind of want to know what we believe, like as, as believers, 
We can practice the apostles. Very simple. What, do, what does the apostles' creed say? I don't know. Does anybody ever here have read the apostles' creed before? A couple people? Okay. It's simple. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Wow. I mean, even one of the things that I love about the apostles' creed is that it's really succinct and really powerful. It's really easy to just sort of read over without catching the power in it, which is kind of what we do with the Bible a lot. When we read over it so that we can say that we read a chapter today, you know, but it's so important that we kind of read it slowly. But I believe in God, the Father Almighty. So even right there, that first phrase is we understand that God is Almighty, right? We tend to think of like, we we have like this picture of like God and Satan, like this yin and yang right? Has anybody ever thought that? Oh, look, darkness and light. Bull, right? Where, where you've got like equal part darkness and equal part light, and that's how the spiritual realm works. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. It is, there's not equal power between the, the, the enemy, the devil, and God. That's not how that works. No way. You know, it's more like God, yeah, it fills the whole circle, and the enemy, he's just this little turd on the outside of the circle, you know, I mean, so there is not like that, okay? It's God Almighty. He is creator of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, for there he will come to judge, from there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now they use the phrase, the Holy Catholic Church, but that word Catholic in this context just means the the church at large. Not talking about one denomination, but the Holy Church at large. Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of everlasting. Amen. Right? It's huge. So we say to ourselves during times when we wake up kind of bummed out, when we feel like our faith is waning, and we can stop, and one of the practices that we can practice is is that at any time, we can just stop and we can close our eyes and say, God is here. God is here. Because that's true, right? Is God here? Yeah, right. And we can stop and say, God is here. God is here. God is here on Sundays when we meet. God is here when you go to work. God is here when you're at home. God is here wanting to give more of himself to us, right? God is within us. And so we can stop and say, God is here. And so um, as we close today, I just kind of want to practice that. Is that okay with you guys if we can just practice that for a second? Just practice that for a second. I want all of us to close your eyes. Don't look at the person next to you. Don't look at me. Just close your eyes. And just in this moment, right now, we're going to make a choice. We're going to choose to believe. We're going to choose that what he says is true. We make the choice. We, we move our faith out of the realm of our feelings and into the realm of our will because we make a choice. And we say, I want you guys to say this with me. God is with me. He is here. I believe. Amen. Amen. So we're going to have a worship team come. And what we're going to do as the worship team comes, 
as we're going to choose to worship. Yeah? We're going to choose to exercise our faith in praise. Because I don't know about you guys, and maybe I'm just the least spiritual among us, but sometimes I come to church and I don't feel like praising. My faith isn't like all, ah, right? But I choose to praise. I choose to celebrate him. I choose to worship. And so as I, I want to encourage you. I just want to challenge you with that. If you're tired today, if you're distracted today, if you're sad today, if you're anything today, make a choice to praise. And if you need prayer today, we got, we got our, two people on our prayer team today, and they're both awesome. Hudson's back there. Yeah, yeah. So Jeanette's back there. She'll pray for you. Why don't you all stand up real quick? Father, this morning we thank you for your amazing love. We thank you, God, that you reward us according to 1 Peter when we make the choice to be glad and to praise. God, I pray for every person here today that maybe they feel like somebody shot off the lights and they're scared, they're anxious, any of those things, God. I ask, Lord, that you would be their light, that you would show them that you're still with them, you're still guiding them. A bend in the road is not the end of the road. God, you are within them. I pray for those people now. And God, we, we commit, we choose to praise you today. In Jesus' name.